So um, I've got a million questions, so I'm just going to get Let's right into it here. In. Let's do Let's this. go. Okay, so welcome to this episode of The Wonder Soul Show. The first time I've ever actually said that name out loud. And today's guest is someone that I actually don't know at all and know completely. So we're going to dig into his entire story. And I've got so many lessons I would love to just hear about and extract from the years and wisdom that he's been here. His name is Reverend Skip Jennings. Yes, I did just say Skip Jennings. And this is actually the reason I think we connected years ago when we were both living in LA. And now yeah. he is the senior minister for the Center for Spirituality in Fort Lauderdale. Center for Spiritual Living in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. And I am just going to dig into his whole story. He's been working with Please Michael see. Beckwith and his programs for 15, 16, 17 years now. And Michael Beckwith is a, is a friend of mine as well. So we're just going to dig into all of this uh, beautiful work. So welcome to the it. show, Skip. <laughs> Thank you. It's my honor and privilege to be here. And um, I have, um, like you said, don't know you, but yet I know who you are. We know who mm. you really are, as we, we used to say, and you probably still say it at Agape, but we know who you really are. Yes, yes. So let's go right into the deep end. What's your mission? Sure. So my you know, personal purpose statement is this. I'm here to help people to see the light within themselves as I continue to see the light within myself so that we may shine together. I believe that once people begin to wake up of who and what they are, then they're able to shift the rest of the world. But it begins with self-realization first. And so that is my mission for people to wake up to their divine emanation of who they are, um, their purpose in their life, so that may, they may pass on this gift. When you live from a place of purpose, life becomes a gift. And you understand that, oh, I'm here and I've been called to do something. So what am I called to do? And then we have meaning in our life. A lot of people walk around with no meaning in their life and they're feeling lost. They're feeling what's next. Why am I here? So my work is to help people to understand why they are here and how they can be a beneficial presence upon the planet. Wow. And like, give me, what's your favorite recent memory of this? Or it doesn't even necessarily have to be recent, yeah. but like, yeah, what's a really impactful story or experience you've had with someone who's really unlocked that? Well, I, I, let's bring it to the more, most recent significant shift in my own life has been becoming senior minister here at the Center for Spiritual Living here in Fort Lauderdale. And um, I've only been here for seven months. And the senior minister before me, Dr. Chris Michaels, called me up in L.A. and he said, we might have an opportunity for you. Will you be willing to have a conversation about moving to Florida? So. For me, being in LA, my mind went, Florida? Florida? I mean, really Florida, God? Really, you want me to go to Florida? And once I said yes and got here seven months ago, I saw a lot of lives shift. A lot of people were tapping into a deeper awakening of spirituality. They were tapping into a deeper experiential way of experiencing God, knowing that that was why I was here. And of recent people have come up to me saying, we're so glad you're here. We so, we're so glad of what you're doing. You're changing my life. So this has been the opening, the eye opening for me, the spiritual eye opening that I'm here to help people in a place that is traditionally marginalized and separate. 
and I'm here to bring in the message of inclusivity and love. And you're from LA and now having come to Fort Lauderdale, obviously a radically different culture, like you mentioned, and radically different lifestyle for you, right? Being here in your own practice, like, has that been a smooth transition for you? Or has that been something where you've had to work at it? Skip, that is such a great question. Um, it's been a, challenges. You leave everything you've known for 23 years. You, re, you, you release a career in fitness. And at the time, it was easy to make the transition because we were in the middle of a pandemic. And in California, the shutdown was real. We shut down still a lot of places aren't still open yet. So all the gyms I was working in, like Equinox and 24-Hour Fitness and Crunch, all closed down, closed down for over a year. So I'm working on my garage, working for um, Insight Timer, where I do meditation. I was doing live yoga classes. You said you um, worked for Insight Timer? Well, I worked for as one of the instructors for Insight Timer. Awesome. So um, I, on Insight Timer, if you go to Rev Skip Jennings, I have over 35 different guided meditations that people can follow. But I was doing live yoga classes. And in the garage, it was like, okay, something else is coming up. Something else is looming. So when I got the invitation to come out and I said, yes, I got here. The first thing was a culture shock for me because California is so liberal and Florida has liberal pockets, but it's still pretty conservative. Um, I found it lonely at times. I found it very isolating. But what really helped me was, of course, the work I was doing at the spiritual center was just beautiful. So there was moments of, yeah, this is challenging, but there was moments of, I know why I'm here. Mm. These two paintings in the background, one of yeah. them says joy, 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 joy. And the other one says love, 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 love. Did you make right. those or is that a friend or? No, that's mine. That's my artwork. You that's made the them. That's the artwork I, I did, yes. And it's a reminder that everything we do should be for love and to share more love for joy and to share more joy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me dig into this. <laughs> what are, what are your personal practices for love and joy and like, mm. meditation know. is key. Meditation is really being able to tap within the energy and the vibration of joy that lives within me. Also, you know, yoga, I still teach and practice yoga. Uh, mindful eating is always when I can be very mindful of what's going into my body. Self-care. These are all the practices that I use to really bring in more joy, more love into my life. Hmm. Also community and coming together and fellowship. These practices are essential. Okay. So there's something I've been really fascinated by recently that I think we can have a pretty deep dive into mm -hmm. these Indian gurus, right? I went to Sri Sri Ravi Shankar just a few weeks ago here in Austin, and I've seen him before once in Estonia. And there's this thing, I had some friends that went with me and they do this thing called guru hunting, mm. which is apparently like whenever he's in a certain city, there will be a certain faction of people that will 
have like radios and telegram groups and figuring out like where he's at because these gurus are so open, right? So there will be hundreds or thousands. And if you're in India, like tens of thousands of people trying to just meet him or meet them or whichever guru it is, right? And Sri Sri apparently is the most popular of these various gurus. So I've heard he's got like 400 or 500 million followers, which is just <laughs> crazy to think about. Like that is such a huge number. And the thing I've been considering is how does that happen? I mean, of course, there's a whole branding team and I've met the teams of these people. These are not necessarily the the best in the world at marketing, the best in the world at branding. They're they're just people, right? That that really care. What do you think it is about these gurus that um, draws such a huge amount of attention and such a loyal following? So I don't really have to guess. I believe it's only one thing that happens, and it's consciousness. And when you hold the high watch of consciousness, of infinite possibilities, of connection, of unity, people are going to be drawn to that. And you're going to draw in the right people to support you and your vision. I believe that once we set our mindset and our consciousness and we know who we are, consciousness creates form. So it is the outpicturing of what's happening inside of them. And I believe that, of course, marketing is key. I believe you have a good marketing team behind you, but it's to bring in the right people who understand your mission, your, your mission and your vision. So that is still consciousness, bringing in the right people to support. Then, you know, it's, I believe it's just one of those things that happens where when you're very excited about someone you are following, you tell 10 or 15 other people, have you heard like Sadhguru? I love Sadhguru. I tell everyone, no, listen to Sadhguru. It's great. He has a huge following as well, huge. So I truly believe that it's all about what we can picture and what we can visualize and knowing who and what we are. Mm. Okay, so something else, um, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm just going to be a huge line of questions for you because I have such an opportunity to, to have someone like you here. There, and I'm, this is all going to come around to a bigger point, but there is this thing that someone just recently told me from the University of Santa Monica, the masters in spiritual psychology that they did, um, these two, this couple, Jan and Monica, and they mm -hmm. said that in that school, they differentiate the difference between understanding something, intuition, yeah. and deep knowing. And those are like it's three, That's it. yeah, three levels. So for each person that's watching and listening to this, mm -hmm. if we differentiate, understanding is like you've learned something and you understand that thing so you can execute. So for instance, like I know how to wrap a trash bag and I know how to put it in the trash can and I know how to bring it down to the curb. Intuition is as I'm walking out the door that day, I see like the mail key. And while I, there's no plan for me to get the mail that day, uh, the fact that I looked over and noticed it, um, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Jeffrey Allen says, intuition is not a question, it's an answer. Mm, yeah. And so the fact that my system like noticed it that day where it doesn't usually means pick up that key, you'll find out why later. And then deep knowing, which is like 
when you meet someone, not dissimilar to actually how we started this entire conversation today of like you and I have never actually met. And yet you have stayed in my sphere and I have stayed in yours this entire time. So there's some deeper knowing there. And obviously we're both a little bit more in this world and you are deeply in this world of deep knowing. How can people go about tuning into these intuitions and deep knowings? And how do we, how do we know the difference? So what you're talking about is, I believe it's called the embodiment of this presence that lives within us, that we are living and moving and having our beingness. This is what Ernest Holmes writes. We're moving, living, moving, having our beingness as this presence. So the embodiment requires the growth work. It requires us to dive deep into a place where we become so immersed into the presence of who we are inside that we walk with no separation. Michael Beckwith calls this, you know, the four levels of consciousness where you start off with a victim consciousness, life is being done to us. And then you have the manifestor consciousness where you are using the law to manifest your life. And then you have the vessel consciousness spirits working through you. And then there is the consciousness of I am spirit itself. I'm showing up as God. When we understand that we are God in the flesh and that we have the power that everything the universe is, it's within us. And once we start operating from that place, we begin to know it. I believe it takes work. It takes time for us to really cultivate what it means to walk as God. The majority of the people are walking around as victims. They're being manipulated by external forces. And when we, when we are manipulated by internal, external forces, then we go on this roller coaster up and down, or we're, we're, our emotions are in the mix of this. And so once we are established in the knowing of something, we understand that number one, we're not our emotions. We're not the circumstances that this life takes us on. We are divine. We are the divine presence of God. Therefore, we can move and operate in a different way. I know people who know about God, but I know people who know God. That's the difference. Mm. So when it comes to, and this is kind of wrapping to the, the guru thing, when it comes to marketing, mm. when people are starting a business, and this is very common, and I'm just going to speak to my own experience so that there's no generalizations here. It's all very specific. Um, when I first started my dojo business, which is an online company, and dojo is just a word that I love, so I just used it, and it was teaching people there's, there's many things it teaches, right? At a very base level, all of my marketing um, advisory stuff was teaching people how to heal injuries, right? Mm. So it was like, if you have a pain, this is a way to heal that injury very quickly. And we have lots of videos and testimonials showing like how quickly people could do it to themselves to heal these things, right? Mm. And I'm a weird character, right? Like I'm I'm, I can, I'm very strange in a lot of ways. And I'm always like, yeah, it does heal the injuries. Sure. There's just a lot more to it than that. Like right. it, it really heals right. them as a byproduct of bigger things that are happening. And when I spoke to everyone about like niching down and how to like portray the business, 
it was always like, let's fix pain. And even more specifically, let's pick a particular pain to fix so that the, the business can be successful. And then at the same time, I go and I see Shri Shri and I see like, what is his marketing thing, right? Like, why are people drawn to this work? And it was really this, almost like this beautiful flow and dissonance within me that I was kind of seeing my way through because my my deeper knowing was always like, gosh, it's just not about the pain. And it's not even about the physical practice. And it's, you know, it's about the community, but it's really about unlocking or activating this internal ancient mechanism inside your body that creates coherence in the physical form so that you can just be so present and so much more with yourself and really feel what it's like to to feel to feel your body but also to feel your emotions and joy and love and all the things that you've been talking about and when i saw shri shri it sort of created this dissonance where i went okay could i speak to the highest level of the individual and is that something that can be a successful business and the more i've thought about it the more i've just realized i don't want to think about that and i just want to do it and i just want to i know it can work and i and i know it's possible sure. and that's where this whole wonder soul brand became a that. thing because the the overarching philosophy that i have always worked with that has helped me teach others how to heal themselves so quickly mm -hmm. is your body is perfect. Yeah. So for instance, if you have a tight muscle, that tight muscle is perfect. If you have a pain, that is perfect. This body, this thing that we're living in is so intelligent. There's so much happening under the surface. Sure. And sure. when you start to realize that and really understand how intelligent, you can just operate under the assumption that, man, this thing knows way more than we do. Yeah. And whatever is happening must be perfect. Therefore, instead of fighting the tightness or fighting the pain or trying to deal with it, just start to look at it as like, okay, this is a loved one reaching out to me. And it's reaching out to me in a way that currently I see is like not appropriate or I don't, I don't want it to reach out to me in that way. Instead of playing whack-a-mole and hitting it, can I, can I say like, I love you and can I work with it? Can I help it? you know, in other ways, can, how can I be gentle with this thing, right? How can I be gentle with myself? Yeah. Yeah. And beyond that, when people are in the live experience, I always, always find a way to sneak in a certain line. And it's <laughs> your body is perfect. Your life is perfect. Yeah. And so the something. overarching, yeah. Go, go, go. We do something that um, at all my retreats, we do a um, a, it's called a oath of wellness. And it's something that we say, in beginning of retreats, I will meet my body right where it is. I will allow myself to be healed now. I will not accept judgments from other people. I will not judge myself. I will love who and what I am. And this is something that we do at the beginning of all retreats because this is what we're moving towards. The thing about healing, I think what we have to do as teachers is to really talk about what healing is. Healing is not about a physical, um, maybe a physical manifestation. Healing is about what is within you. It's about your connection to center. There are people who can't walk and they know that they're healed. 
there are people that who, who live with daily pain every day and they know that they are healed. The healing is something I believe is when we really truly begin to connect with love. The only thing that can really heal us is love, unconditional love. And that goes beyond any circumstances, goes beyond any physical condition because you're experiencing a condition. The healing is something eternal that's within you. And so when we talk about healing as teachers, we must explain what healing is. Because healing doesn't mean that you're gonna get up out of your wheelchair, but healing, healing is knowing that you don't have to get up out of your wheelchair. The other thing too, is we get to look at our dis-ease, and I call it the dis-ease, it's not a disease, it's a dis-ease of the body, dis-ease of the mind. So we get to look at this, what if, and I truly believe this, what if this dis-ease was here to heal you? I believe that it is. I believe Oof. every circumstance, everything that we've ever experienced was here for the sole purpose of healing. See, if everything was perfect in our life, there would be no place that we want to grow from. So we can look at our dis-ease and our discomfort in a different way. I've had two back surgeries and two back surgeries I've had laminectomy and a disectomy came from overworking, overtraining for years, picking up weights, teaching group fitness. And it was a time where, you know, the first one was, oh yeah, well, let's just jump back right back into fitness and keep doing what we're doing. The second one was at the cusp of me moving into full-time ministry. And I'm laying after the second back surgery, I'm laying in bed and I hear spirits say, okay, are you ready? Are you ready to be a minister? Are you ready to be who I'm calling you to be? And so after the second back surgery, I'm going, okay, that this is a time for me to release what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. So the healing for me was the realization that there was a different or a, a more, I guess, a more, more expansive vision for me that I'm here to live and I'm here to be. And that was a healing and the physical healing happened as well. But the spiritual healing was, oh, I'm here to do something else. I'm here to expand my mission, my purpose. And when you say things like the person to be healed doesn't have to get out of the wheelchair and all of these things, the thing I, I just keep hearing resounding in your in your message here is this non-attachment or rather the allowing yes. and the acceptance of the perfection of exactly the journey and it only comes in hindsight right understanding comes at the end like you look back at times in your life when things were really tough and if it's been 10 years you see what that challenge or what that toughness led to which was actually something so wonderful and beautiful right it is you know that i love that word attachment and that we're learning to live a life unattached from the outcome so there are moments that we will have these physical miracles we want to call them miracles a miracle course of miracles says a miracle is when we move from fear to love so it might have the appearance Ooh. In, Ooh. in in a physical where you get up out of that wheelchair, you get to step in and that's okay. You left the fear behind, you got to step in in love. There is times where the healing happens when you're moving from the fear of the past and you embrace the love of the present moment. 
Another healing could be a relationship that has been the appearance of brokenness, that two people can come together to make amends, to make right, and knowing that it is absolutely divine order of that separation to heal it, because you both grew from it. Hmm. So the attachment of the outcome of what it looks like is what holds us back. We try to put God in a box. You can't put God in a box. Mm -hmm. You can't put healing in the box. Yeah. So when it comes to this deep knowing concept, this idea, right, of feeling that, that deeper knowing, there's also the idea of maybe it's been a long time since someone has been able to feel that deep knowing. Maybe they've been really having a lot of friction in their life for a long time. And this whole idea maybe of your life is perfect and that this allowing and this acceptance is so, so dissonant to their reality at this moment, right? right? What's the process of someone to start to get into this coherent state and start to kind of step into their their knowings one at a time meditation okay meditation and, when, and so insight timer reverend skip jennings meditations yes absolutely. shameless Thank plug you. let's go shameless plug no sh no shame in my game okay so here we go um the meditation is such a way that we begin to wake up to something greater than the physical incarnation or this physical some people call it the physical experience I don't, I call it a spiritual experience because I believe that we're in God and everything we're doing is a spiritual experience, but you choose. It can be physical or it can be spiritual, it's up to you. Um, but there is something greater that looms within us that we can only touch by doing spiritual practices. Part of the meditation is, yeah, quieting mind is, yeah, that's a part of meditation. It's not the only form of meditation. Mindfulness, as Thich Nhat Hanh would write in The Miracle of Mindfulness, is that if you are aware of what you're doing, breathing, eating, washing dishes, walking, and you're mindful, and you're really connected with what's happening, mind and body connection, you're in meditation. Hmm. So it's time to wake up to divine love within you. So part of that meditation is really cultivating a mantra or an affirmation like, I am love filled with love, born to love, or I feel love, I am love here now, love is all that I am. And we keep running these mantras over and over again, and we meditate on the words, we meditate on the mantras, we meditate on the affirmations until we start to feel something. It requires a practice you might not feel the very first time, but you keep practicing it, you will get there. I also believe that looking at beauty and feeling the feeling of beauty, watching a child play or looking at birds or looking at the ocean, there is a energetic shift that happens within us. And I believe that is the cultivation of self-love. Hmm. Yes, there's an external stimulation that's happening, but what are you feeling within when you see the ocean, you see the sand, you see a picture of two people holding hands and, and hugging each other or kissing. 
What is the energy that you're feeling within you? That's mindfulness. That is the practice of getting tuned with what we're feeling. I also believe that's the same opposite side of, of that, not opposite, but polar opposite of that is, what do you feel when you see war? What do you mm -hmm. feel when you see kids that have been shot, that have been killed? What are you feeling? When we can connect with what we're feeling, then we become more awake of what's happening within us. So I believe that is the beginning practices of understanding that we have something that is within us, a power that's within us, as Ernest Holmes would say, that is full of freedom, freedom to feel, freedom to be, freedom to engage, freedom to love. So I believe that is the practice we begin to cultivate. Yeah. Wow. So there's this other big idea that I would love to hear you riff on, because like you said, when we pay attention to things like nature that are just so natural, that are always perfect and beautiful, and we can see a tree, we can see a forest, we can see a beautiful vista and recognize it as just pure perfection. And in the same way, you could look at any human and hopefully yourself and recognize that you are a part of that same vista and that your life is also growing and changing in that pure perfection because believe me those trees and those hills go through storms just like we do mm -hmm. and they go through hard times and there's wildfires and there's all sorts of things trees have diseases that will spread amongst them but they don't right. resist these things right they flow with these things so that's that's one perspective of the thing yeah. and then there's this idea of unconditional love right which is really the hallmark of any great spiritual practice is getting to this place where you can truly have love for yourself, have that forgiveness and love for everything that you do have done and will do and others. In addition to that, I, I find this concept for me, um, in this lifetime really valuable, which is conditional connection. So unconditional love, but conditional connection, which means to, to me, and I, I really want to hear you riff on this because I'd like to evolve this idea within myself. And that's, I, I necessarily won't turn on um, channels or news that will show war constantly because I am not at a level of unconditional love where I can see that and have yeah. it not phase my energy. Maybe yeah. there is a point where... I can still remain in a state of like love and joy and bliss and see those things all the time. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, in a micro perspective in our life, there are certain people where unconditional love, like for me to unconditionally love you is effortless, right? Like everything that you're saying and your being and the paintings and, the, and the, what you do in the world, I'm like, absolutely. And there's other people where over time it's become easier and easier to have unconditional love for everyone. However, I have to, at some point, at least this is my perspective and I want to hear you about this, draw a conditional connection line where I'm like, okay, I love you and you are not going to be someone that I allow in my inner circle on a regular sure. basis. But here's the thing, you're not, unconditional love is not based on conditions. It's not based on, you know, what that person does or who that person is. Unconditional love, we're talking about a love that is, has created everything. Therefore, everyone is connected as this love. Mm 
Everyone is the presence of God. Everyone is the presence. So here's what we're connecting with. When you watch something on war, we're here to remember that unconditional love is there as well. Maybe the activity you're watching is at the polar opposite of love. The polar opposite of love is, has some people call it hate, some people call it negativity. I believe it's still the energy, the polar opposites of the energy that we are diving into. But what we're really connecting to is the presence of the divine energy that lives within you, that lives within me, that lives within a politician you can't stand. That divine love is in the place of each and every person that is perpetrating the war, that's out there killing people. Love is still, they're still the presence of love. But are they acting from that awareness? No. Most people don't know that they are love. Hurt people hurt other people. People who are holding on to this energy of vibration that would cause you to go out and, and shoot children are extremely disturbed in their physical incarnation. They're really disturbed. But what I do know that the presence of love is not, not there. It is there, but is it being acted upon? No. So we have to look at what, what are we really connecting to? What is unconditional love? Unconditional love is truly unconditional. And it's not based on the person, it's on what they're doing. It's basing on the spirit that lives within them that is not being activated, it's not being moved from. And the other thing too is the lesson of unconditional love for you, my friend, and for me, it's not the ones that are easy to love. That's the unconditional love lessons. You have to be challenged to love someone that you deem to be unlovable so you can really know what unconditional love really means. That's the big lesson. That is a huge lesson. And most people don't want to go down that route. You know, we have a very divided well, divided country, but here in Florida, man, you have the blue team and you have the red team. And I, I'm independent, but I still, you know, but this whole polarization of what's right and what's wrong is deeply felt here. My work to experience and to share unconditional love is sit down people with people who don't believe the way I believe. People who don't like me. Am I willing to sit down with them? Absolutely, because they are unconditional love. They are the presence that lives with them in them is unconditional. Yeah. So this also ties into the idea of the the gurus again is one piece of this, right? Which is like yeah. they are definitely living in this unconditional love and so when I think about this idea of conditional connection, right, I think about it as like, there are certain people where like, I will sit down with them and I will recognize that, that wonderful essence in them that of course I have unconditional love for and understanding like even someone who's polarized in my belief, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very open to that polarization and I'm very open to understanding and empathizing mm -hmm. and trying to figure that out, right? If in some scenario, that person, let's say in like a relationship, right? Um, when they disagree, they hit, 
or when they disagree, they break things or when they disagree, they, they say things that are, that are very, very not loving. Right. Um, of course, in that moment, right. There's a level of unconditional love, regardless of the way it's being expressed, you know, and their beliefs and thoughts. Right. Yeah. Could you riff about this, this idea of like, yes, we can unconditionally love someone. Is there a place for that, the conditions for the connection to that, that person? Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, Skip, we're not doormats because we're spiritually minded men or women. We're not be, we're not here to be walked upon and we create boundaries when we understand who, and what we are. I am a God. I'm a man of God. I am a divine emanation. Therefore, I know who I am. Therefore, I'm not going to let you step on me. I'm not going to let you walk over me. There are people that I allow to be in my life, and there are people I don't. So we can create the conditions to experience the unconditional love. I truly believe that that is a part of self-care. That yes, you are unconditional love, but if you beat your wife every day, that's not right action. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is right action. So I'm going to stand up for your wife so she does not receive the violent, low vibrational energy you're perpetrating onto her because she does not recognize who and what she is. And you don't recognize who and what you are. So there has to be boundaries. Absolutely, for sure. Mm. So when I see these gurus, we're going very high level now. <laughs> when I see these gurus and you see there are some people, right, that can be very negative to them. Um, they'll be walking on the street and someone will just start screaming and yelling and saying, you know, crazy things to them. And they smile, they wave and they remain completely in that state of unconditional yeah. love. So what that sort of informs me is that as that practice builds and as you live more and more in that state, potentially, and a lot of people say this, right? You're, like you said, your external world is a reflection of your internal world. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously a lot less of that intensity and those, um, if we wanna call it lower vibration energies around them and I would assume that's to some extent a piece of their own energy just being emanated from them where right. people just tend to love them and tend to, and also another thing, I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now, when you okay. get around a beautiful community with a lot of people who are in this state, it, it shifts you, right? Even if you're in like a crazy state and there's a lot going on and you, you don't, you're in anger or shame, and you step into probably like your center for spiritual living in Fort Lauderdale and there's 300 people in deep coherence, you're suddenly going to be like, whoa, yeah. and you're calmer all of a sudden just because of the energy and the vibration in that room. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, you know, something that I always say is that when you come in on a Sunday morning, you're hearing something, but the practical application of what you're learning doesn't happen to you leave out 
And uh, if we're talking about unconditional love, I guarantee you, and you're embracing as a lesson of lesson of unconditional love, you will have a practical application in the form of someone who has triggered some energy within you so you can practice unconditional love. So what we see is when these gurus can walk in peace, they're either number one, probably realize, oh, that person really doesn't know who they are, so I can bless you, I can have compassion and love for you. Or maybe something comes up within the guru or the teacher and you can say, thank you for this lesson that I'm learning right now about loving myself. So, you know, there will always be an attack of your excellency. When you're excellent at what you do, someone will always attack you. So if you're choosing to walk in peace and people recognize that, they are offended or in fear of you because you can hold your peace or because of the message that you bring, they want to attack from fear. And I believe most people who are awake and they're teaching this this movement, this new thought movement, I believe have been attacked several times and will continue to be attacked. Hmm. So I lead these big group classes, right? Mm -hmm. And I lead these big group experiences and we've got one coming up that's probably gonna be about 5,000 people oh, in one amazing. place, right? It's amazing. In what wisdom, what knowledge would you um, say for helping a room set the state of the room at the very beginning? Like what are the things that I can do at the very beginning? Either questions I could ask or what, what have you found to be most successful for really setting the tone or the context of an experience so that we can all move closer to that state? Well, the first thing you want to start off with meditation and group meditation. I mean, when we begin our you know, live events and our gatherings with meditation and mindfulness and prayer, it sets the tone of where you want spirit to move. Because truth be told, spirit is leading the way anyway. So we begin the meditation. Another one, bring everyone together, do a round of maybe 21 ohms together. Mm. Let the whole room ohm together. Feel the vibration to the ohm. And once they feel connected, they feel safe, then the teaching can happen. There's music. I hope you got some music people coming in that can rock the house because music softens the heart so you can hear the message. Music softens the mind so you can hear the message. So yeah, I, that's how I would kick it off. I would kick it off with meditation, music, some ohms. Really have the, the, the vibrational energy, have the vibrational energy lifted up. And then I guarantee you, man, it's going to be an incredible experience. Wonderful. Can you talk to me about, I, I've just recently been learning more about the OM practice and why that's, that's important. Can you, can you tell me about that? Sure. The OM is the tonality of the universe of creation. OM is the sound of the universe. And the OM is part of the highest um, chakra system, the divine chakra system, there are different sounds that move through the chakra system. And OM is the place that opens up the vibration of the energy to flow. It's a reminder, it's a sound, it's a tone 
of connecting with the divine. It's probably one of the oldest sounds that we have, and it's probably one of the most practiced in spiritual communities that I know of. You know, OM is, is heard in everything. So we do OM during yoga, we do OM during our meditations. Um, OM is, is, is everything, man. It's the sound. Yeah. So for some context for people listening or watching, there's a resonant frequency to every material on earth um, and, and not on earth to my awareness. And the Millennium Bridge in London, I believe is the name of the one mm -hmm. where there was a very particular right. resonant frequency one day with like the wind and the exact way the waves were moving and the sounds that literally disintegrated the bridge. Mm hmm. And so resonant frequencies are very powerful. There are some theories out there. This is going to get crazy, but you know, there's like theories that that resonant frequency is not just something that can destroy, but also something that can create and can move things. So there's mm -hmm. theories where it's like, you know, the pyramids were moved through certain frequency tools and devices. And, and that's how these gigantic pillars like Stonehenge and things were moved, you know, millennia ago. So just with the understanding that something like a bridge can be disintegrated by a certain yes. frequency is the the same thing I kind of hang my hat on is like, oh, when these people talk about like oming and frequencies and when you think about music, right? Like there's just certain keys and certain so tones. So many frequencies, absolutely. Yeah. And they just, they, there's a certain vibration. There's a certain energy, there's a certain feeling that you get and like a movement in your body that comes with certain uh, rhythms and certain tones. Right. So this ohm idea of like the way that we teach it in the, the dojo work, the, the physical practice is that we're creating coherence in the body, right? Mm -hmm. That electricity is moving more freely and flowing more, even more openly than it already is. Cause if you're alive, it is flowing openly. So it's just creating even more of that exactly. flow. Exactly. And it's also tuning into the right frequency of healing. You know, the isochronic chords that we hear and sometimes you don't even know we're hearing it and there's sending out a frequency a certain um hurt that will actually activate the different um healings for the different diseases that you might experience i do sound baths so i use crystal bowls and sounds to really activate the healing that's within that's already there so tapping into frequencies and there are places where you can go and and meditate and hear frequencies there are different apps or different uh, places where you can listen to the frequency that will activate the healing from depression to love moving from a place of the disease that we might feel in different parts of our spine we can hear a sound that will activate the healing within the body temple within the mental thinking one of the things that you know that's being studied right now how sound healing is helping those who deal with some type of mental disease so it's there tones and and frequencies and vibrations because everything's a vibration everything's energy so why are we using energy to heal part of the work i do as a reiki healer is i, I tell it's energy healing i'm going to heal the energy or bring it back into alignment with your permission because you have to give yourself permission to heal if you give yourself permission to heal, then the vibration will move, the energy will shift. Yeah, so beautiful. And that number one thing that you said, right, is like, you've got to be 
all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, right, is this embodiment and understanding that like your body, your life is perfect. And when you have that understanding and really understand, right, like stand underneath mm -hmm. everything else that this is perfect, mm -hmm. and then you can allow these healings to occur in the speed that they want to, in the timeline that they want to, and it and again you're unattached right it you might still be in the wheelchair at the end and that might be perfect so it's really that perspective of perfection because it's not about the wheelchair my friend it's about you understanding that you're perfect and whole from the beginning and you are in the middle of a experience or circumstance but you can shift how you see yourself you can shift how you feel. You can shift how you, you know, what, what you know about you. And then that's when the door opens up. Hmm. Is there any particular message on your, your heart, on your soul right now that you feel like would be really great to share to this, this community? Hmm. I just think it's it's a really important time that we understand that we are having this experience of marginalization and you know and 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 polarization it's happening it's very evident right now with the wars that are going on in Ukraine and Russia is not the only war that's happening there are wars in the Middle East there are wars in in Asia there are wars all parts of areas that there's wars happening here in America and we're moving or have this appearance of moving in the human incarnation becoming more polarized more separate more you know I'm going to be on my side because I believe this crew people over here is going to suit my needs better I would say the biggest work that we have right now is coming together that's going to be our greatest impact that we can have on generations to come. Seven generations will feel the impact of what we do today. So I believe that that is the greatest message or the greatest focus that we can have. We must come together to save ourselves. Marianne Williamson has said this many times before, we're either going to save ourselves or we're going to destroy ourselves. And we're seeing evidence right now of it. Mm. So it's time for us to come together. It's time for us to, to take a higher ground, to allow ourselves to move past color lines, sexuality, move past political beliefs. And it's really time for us to begin to let go. Here's the issue, and it's right in front of us. You can't tell me that these groups of Republicans and Democrats cannot come together to create a comprehensive gun law to save children. But you have this team saying here, we need to be on this side. And you have this team saying, we need to be on this side. Mind you, there are people that are still being killed. Since Texas, there's been 20 mass shootings since the Texas incident. 20 in less than a month and a half. If we can't come and come together and bridge this gap that, you know, it's all about power and, and prestige and control right now. If we can't release that, who's going to control what the government and this so that we can begin to save people, 
that's going to be a big problem. So it is time for us to rise above all the stuff that we're going through right now. It's polarization, to rise above marginalization, to rise into who and what we can be, fields of love. I believe that we have more of our trans brothers and sisters that are being killed every day. We have so much violence that's happening because of people who love who they love. This is the time that we need to rise up. This is the time that we need to see beyond what we think that separates us and really tap into what really connects us and that is love. Mm. Beautiful. And I will put that tagline on the end of it is realize that while this is what we are embodying and this is what our uh, intention and magical requests are exactly how it happens is perfect mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. this is the journey that we're on this is the path that we're on and it's yeah. all still perfect some of that seems quite sad but that is the divine i guess way everything is it's just like everything is in divine order Everything that we are experiencing is in divine order. But we can choose. We can choose to act in a higher vibrational energy. We have the choice. We're co-creating this experience. We have free will. So we can choose to love versus choose to hate. But it is all in divine order. I truly believe everything we're experiencing is in order. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So when people fall in love with you and they want to learn more and they want to hear more of you and and all your messages, like where can they go? How can they internet stalk you? Sure. They can go anytime. I accept stalkers. Um, (laughs) They can go to um, any of the social medias and I am at Rev Skip Jennings. So um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and not on TikTok. And I don't know, my tick is done talk, so I don't know. Um, and they can also go to my website, which is skipjennings.com. And Skip Jennings, they can find out about my books. They can find out about my t-shirt line called The Awake Shop. And they can find out um, about my own personal app and things that I'm doing and where I'm speaking. And um, yeah, so... They can find out all the information at skipjennings.com. Wonderful.